Justin Bakul here with another episode of my Stoic Philosophy series. Today's episode is a recorded conversation with YouTuber Disturbing Trends concerning Stoic Philosophy, egalitarianism, and current events. Please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitch, and my website at justinbakula.com. Links are in the description of this clip. My Stoic Philosophy series explores the philosophical tradition of Stoicism with goals to inform, empower, and help others benefit from the practical wisdom of ancient Greek, Roman, and modern thinkers. I tackle many topics, including handling adversity, finding meaning in life, working toward contentment, dealing with change, anger, and gratitude. We explore the nature of egalitarianism and moral progress in our conversation. What might equality look like? Shall we prefer equality of opportunity over outcome? How can we find purpose in life, a role we can excel in? How should we deal with difficult people? We also talk about current events, including free speech on college campuses and liberal values. You are the student of Stoicism, and apparently um, the Stoics promoted egalitarianism, that's our subject for this talk. And um, so I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that. It seems to be core to Stoicism. Right. There's a lot of talk throughout the text. If someone is to ask you whether you are an Athenian or Roman, instead answer you are a citizen of the world, talking about environment not having so much of an impact on you, but rather your virtues, your personal values, and what you aspire to be good. So rather than focusing on a personal identity, some sort of birthright, a birth identity, rather to think in a more egalitarian sense that you're sharing brotherhood with others, with other humans, and to treat others well because of that link that we have. They even... um... I was even reading that um, they were you were to consider fellow citizens and slaves equally. <laughs> right. Yes. There's a lot of talk about slaves in the text and and some of how how should you treat your slaves because in that time it was a, a common practice. But some who even had slaves are saying, well, don't don't be the slaves. Uh, tr- treat them. They're they're in your house. Invite them to the feast table. And they too are a brother. So it's it's interesting to hear from our perspective, but of course a different society. They were they were just uh, taking taking that as as a given, and it, and it wasn't like slavery in the American South, or so it seems throughout the text. I could be wrong of that. Of course, I don't have as much of a historical perspective on the text, but rather just thinking about the themes within them. Yes. Well, historically, uh, slavery in the U.S. South was um, chattel slavery, meaning you could be born into it and you were. A slave for life, whereas um, in the in antiquity, um, slaves were just the spoils of war, oftentimes, and you could, after so much time, you could become a citizen, even like in Rome. Um, so it wasn't as as brutal as it was in the American South, and I'm sure other places. Right, and Epictetus, from what I, from what I recall, one of the Stoic writers himself was a slave, so that, that comes up a little in the text, and there's a, a certain regard for that. But even from Marcus Aurelius, even from Seneca, some other writers I've been reading, yes, that there's this shared brotherhood, there's this shared humanity, so treat others well, be nice toward others, and, and share in this common community of humans. So I was also, one of the things that comes up a lot on... Um, you see it online and in, you know, in debates in real life, is um, egalitarian um, the class struggle within a capitalist system, and how can we reconcile the two? Right. So there might be some conflict there in that some people who have a lot will not be as forgiving for those perhaps who who have little and they'll abuse power they'll take advantage of people who have less and the people who have less can't provide for themselves as well some people might be in extreme situations poverty homelessness they they don't have health care there's a question of oh well should i buy medicine or get the groceries and yeah i I can see that there could be a lot of conflict there indeed yes with this what the Stoic tradition is is talking about is living in in moderation and not really looking toward wealth as something that makes a better life. It's a question of, well, how are you going to use the money? What are you going to do with power if you should happen to 
acquire it. And there's a lot of talk of power, of money, corrupting people, that people not really being mindful, not using things well and falling into a trap of wanting more and more and more and never being satisfied. So is there a um, is there a takeaway from that for our our current society, our consumer society? Yes, uh, there's a, a lot of pressure, perhaps, or a lot of messages that are sent in that, oh, well, if you have more things, you're going to enjoy life more. Buy that brand new car, buy that brand new house, have this uh, big family, this is this is what you need to be successful, and buy these clothes, buy this makeup, buy this jewelry, and some people place a lot of value on that, but the, the Stoics are advocating for a more modest lifestyle and not valuing these things as much as our personal virtues, as finding purpose in life, regardless of external possessions, regardless of our status in society, regardless of our environment. There's even talk in the text of well, I, I will play a role. If you bring on poverty, well, I will be a good actor in that. If I should be in the military, well, I will be a good actor there too. And that a lot of things are outside of our control, they talk about. And how are we going to deal with these situations? Rather than complaining, rather than being miserable, we, we just have to make do with what happens and change that which we could. It's, it's an interesting thing of thinking what's inside and what's outside of our control and how we're to respond to that appropriately. It's it's uh, has something to do with a personal responsibility. Personal responsibilities for your actions, for um, how you, what you can control in your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it can be easy to blame others and to, to blame the world for certain circumstances that can happen rather than working on yourself, rather than taking action, rather than trying to change things you can. It sometimes can be difficult to determine what's in your power, and surely because of a lot of accidents, uh, because of a lot of chance, because of a lot of fortune, however you're to phrase it, well, people might be born with a certain disability. People might come across some really grievous circumstances. Perhaps they're a victim of trauma, perhaps they, they've been in some terrible situations in life that really they couldn't they couldn't do much about and that can put people at a sort of disadvantage it, it can be harder for them to be resilient but the stoic wisdom is that whatever circumstances should befall us we can work on building our character and, and handling adversity well and still living a good life so now there's I think that dovetails with the debate over equality of outcome and equality of opportunity and what are your thoughts on both concepts right so the the stoic perspective might be that well we're not always going to have the outcomes that we want and that society isn't going to say give us that really good hand in life but how are we to adjust to that how are we going to respond to that which happens around us that surely where we're not going to have the same percentages of, of outcomes. We're not going to have all sorts of different people represented in every sort of life, maybe in modern, in modern society. Maybe we just see that certain people have, have preferences, that certain people don't have certain opportunities. Maybe people aren't interested in certain fields and certain work. And in the education profession, it seems to be that elementary school teachers are overwhelmingly women. And it seems that in construction work, the people who are in that are overwhelmingly men. So what are, what are we to do about that? Are we to say that there is some sort of inequality? Well, there might be, but just because there happens to be a different percentage of people represented in certain fields doesn't mean that some people are being driven out or that there's some sort of unfair circumstances that are happening. It, it could be a difficult thing to to figure out, but I think that preferences are definitely different between men and women. Certain people are drawn to different things. Maybe some opportunity has brought people into different fields. So there are a lot of things to consider. I don't think it's such an easy thing to say, oh, well, there, there's not a representative portion of some characteristic or some population or some identity, so therefore there's discrimination. Hmm. Anything, that, anything you want to do, uh, talk about? Well, there, there's also a, a thing, too, of evaluating your own skills and your own strengths and, and what you can do. Surely not everyone is going to be able to be, say, an Olympic swimmer, 
some some might say, well, whatever you dream, put your hard work in, and you could do whatever you want. Well, I think that 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 can have some merit, but I, I don't think that, that can always be the case because there, there are certain characteristics that limit us. Uh, for instance, basketball players tend to be pretty tall and have a certain physique. If you're born and you're you're really small, you're your body's size isn't appropriate for something, well, maybe you won't be that star basketball player. Maybe that won't be something you'll be able to do. Maybe you can take up basketball as a hobby and enjoy it, maybe follow the sport, but you won't quite be in the NBA. So it's important to realize your own strengths and what you can do. How, how can you contribute to society? What kind of role can you play and, and work toward that, work toward having certain goals that are achievable, that are, me- that are measurable, that are reasonable, and appreciate that which you do have rather than complaining about what you don't. Maybe we can work toward a certain thing and change ourselves and find the role we want to play, but unfortunately we, we're not going to be able to do it all. We're going to have to make some concessions. We're going to have to be realistic about ourselves. Yeah, that, that came up in a conversation where I was corrected. I was trying to um, talk about that in, in, um, in careers and, and job opportunities that you know, I've worked places where people, there's someone in the work environment that's just stupid, and it was the word stupid that got me, you know, the uh, the word police out, and what I meant to say was they were, you know, um, less intelligent, they were almost at, like, at the intelligence of, like, a five-year-old, and they were functioning, but they weren't going to advance up the ladder into management or become an accountant, um, so that, that person's ability, their the Fit, while physically fit and strong, mentally wasn't able to um, to to get very far in the company I work for. But um, it, the, what I what I countered that with is something what you just said is the simplest version of it. Like when you walk into a room, there's the shortest person, the tallest person, the skinniest person, the heaviest person, and that's just the way life is. There are people that, like you said, with the Olympic swimmers, not everybody's cut out to be. Uh, a sumo wrestler or you know um, an Olympic swimmer and therefore there's going to be people who achieve um, much more than others in certain fields or certain parts of life than others. Yeah and even in the Stoic text there's a chapter in Epictetus's work uh, called the, the, the Cynic Calling talking about certain people who would have a more aesthetic Lifestyle that they found that their role in life was going around and, and questioning people's values, their ideas, and, and really um, having nothing more than a walking stick and a cloak, whereas Stoics might be of a more moderate thing of living simply, having a frugal lifestyle, but not being so much uh, the extreme as that, as just having little to no possessions. And they're saying, well, that, that can be a hard calling. That could be something that, that might not fit your personality. Everybody's not going to be cut out for that. Certain people will fulfill certain roles in society. You'll you'll be good at certain things, and and maybe it can be good to have a sort of self-evaluation. Maybe get some feedback from others and see well what can you be good at? What kind of job? What kind of work can you pursue that could be good for your personality, your strengths? And maybe we can cultivate those strengths and characters. But in some cases, you're, you're just not going to do certain things, and and that's okay. Not everyone can do everything. We're going to have to settle at some point like I said. And maybe maybe in high school there's there's a lack of that where students don't get as much career counseling or career advice to see well where where can you fit in? Maybe it's more of oh we'll just go to college and find out what you want to do there and if there's a class you liked we'll go ahead and major in that. But are people really putting consideration into what they're signing up for? I I don't think that that's often the case and that's a disturbing trend right there if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that it it just um, it it comes uh, like you said about um, when you're mentioning about blaming and um, there's um, egalitarianism is something I think that's kind of um, comes naturally to to human beings. We we want to be treated equal ourselves, and and so we want others to be treated equal, and yet there's there's trains of thoughts. Uh, there's philosophies, there's um, subject matter recently in the last, you know, so many years that have come up where, uh, oh, 
Um, can you hear me now? Uh, okay. Um, so there's there's been you know in recent in recent years there's talk of um, some people are more equal than others, um, and I, I don't. I, I anyway. Um, I know that um, uh, the. Uh, oh, it so, could be. It well, could be the. Okay. Well, it's it's a question of well, what what do people mean by equality and getting a definition of that? As you said earlier, there's a question of equality of opportunity, equality of outcome. Well, yeah, you ask them what is that going to be? What does it even mean to to have this equality? Are people afforded with the same opportunities? Well, maybe not so much. Perhaps the the person who was born into a wealthy family and their parents paid for them to go to school and get specialized training, and you know maybe, maybe they have more opportunities than people with less money might. I mean, so what are, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to take away those <laughs> those advantages that certain people have? I don't think that that's realistic. How are you going to enforce that? I don't think that people would be advocating for position like that. There, there's some, some sci-fi work, uh, Harrison Bergeron is a story where people had to meet with this handicapper general that if anyone had any sort of advantage over someone else that, you know, let's break their legs or let's cover their faces if they happen to be more attractive to certain people so that everyone in society would be equal so that the person who can run really fast will let's put weight on their legs so they can't do that oh the dancer oh well let's stop them from doing that I mean are we going to go to that extreme again I don't think people are advocating for that but that might be the logical outcome of this, this search for equality instead maybe a more realistic thing could be well treat others with care and compassion allow people to apply for different positions maybe create opportunities for people to learn certain skills I mean there, there's a talk about women not being much in science technology engineering and mathematics well there are programs popping up where people can attend a, a week-long camp or a weekend camp or some certain events or being drawn to certain career paths and being exposed to certain role models well th these are positive things maybe toward getting some more people involved in certain programs but just sitting back and complaining and saying, oh, well, the system's against us, the system's rigged, the patriarchy, whatever else, uh, that, that doesn't seem to be very productive. To identify, well, what, what is the problem? What can we do to change that? Not, not really blaming or being nasty toward others in the process. And that's something I see from uh, many of these people that, that are termed a social justice warrior, that they, they're demanding this respect. They want to be treated kindly, but they're treating other people in a very nasty way and inferring these motives and thinking that other people are malicious rather than actually having a conversation with them and trying to get at what common ground there might be. Well, I, I see it as, um, you know, I've never been wealthy, and it's always attractive to think about, you know, the redistribution of wealth. Well, maybe if the people at the top would redistribute their wealth, I'd have a lot more. That would be great. But then if you think, if you take five minutes to think it through, it's 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 ridiculous. And it also means that, um, it could also mean that even though I have very little, I would have to give to people that have nothing, and and having very little would be having a lot less. Um, but the um, the issues that you you just brought up, um, where um, we have the patriarchy and and um, uh, responsible for everyone's failures. Um, the the solutions are very similar to redistribution because I've been watching videos and reading articles about you know handicapping people that have all these privileges so that other people can um, can do well and until until we have a society that's truly equal then we have to give less opportunities to say white males and the patriarchy oh, so, so that in, in some cases uh, discrimination too that if we're going to have well, okay, we, we need a certain percentage of people to fulfill these these job requirements. Or we have to have a certain percentage of of women, a certain percentage of Latinos. I mean, where, where are we going to end? How many categories are we going to have? And then what happens if people really don't apply? And what happens if people do apply, but they don't have the skill set? Then we might have people in the workforce who really aren't able to do the job. Is, isn't the first consideration anyway? Well, you meet the job qualifications 
so we're going to hire you. We think that you can perform the job regardless of whether you happen to be uh, a single mom, whether you happen to be born of a certain country. There's a lot of talk about that. Is it equal opportunity in employment that you're not going to list your age on your resume or, or any of these identifying factors and that's not going to be considered in the interview. So if we're going to say, oh, well, we're going to hire this certain group over another group, well, that, that seems to be against that philosophy there. That well, I made a uh, video recently, uh, several weeks ago, about New York uh, school system dropping the requirement um, for literacy, and um, I think that's it was reading and writing skills uh, for for potential prospective teachers, and that's we're at the point of ridiculous now because minorities are affected because they're expected to. Um, you know, have the same standards as non-minorities, and so they had to drop the standards. I haven't, I haven't followed up on where they are with that yet. But at the same time, I found that in New York City, that the reading and comprehension has gone up uh, during that time. Meaning they were doing something right before they enacted those um, those changes. Yeah, and you know maybe they're they're just deeper problems anyway, and that you're, you're talking about redistributing money and this access for people to have, and maybe, maybe it's uh, lack of parenting, maybe it's people just having too many kids, not having sex education, not having a birth control. There's a lot of things. All, all of these kids coming about, a lot of uh, one parent households, kids that really don't seem to have opportunities. So maybe there's some personal responsibility in that, rather than you know I just want to have a kid and the government's going to take care of me don't worry about it um, you know we have a push for male birth control coming so maybe that will help things along and just more access to sex education and birth control for women as well so yeah they're, they're just complicated issues it's it's not going to be so simple as oh well we're going to change this one little thing and all of a sudden it's going to be better society is going to be a better place so it's difficult there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of negative um, talk in recent years, and um, if you follow Noam Chomsky, and he's he's uh, constantly attacking just about everybody, but he does he does admit that in the United States it's the best, most equal, uh, freest society there's ever been, and that's that's how I I, I see it as um, seeing the changes uh, that the the first the first part of this video um, I I briefly went through all the changes that in the last 150 years in this country and it's it's completely night and day where um, more than half much more than half the people in the country couldn't vote and um, and and we have I think we have in place laws to protect just about everybody um, it's not it's not extremely specific narrowing down to like point something something percent of the population there there still are people that aren't covered but in general, everybody is is equal, and everybody has the same opportunity in the United States, and and in Europe, and Canada, um, and a lot of other places. Right, or at least we're moving toward that. And people people with disabilities, I've worked with students with disabilities who are transitioning to the workforce, and some of the ideas before is, oh well, uh, we're just going to put these people into institutions, or they're just going to stay home for their lives and really not be involved in the community. And organizations are popping up saying, okay, well, we want inclusion, so what are we going to do? We're going to teach these adult learners job skills. We're going to get them involved with volunteering. We're going to get them involved in, in mainstream work. And there was even an idea years ago about sheltered workshops where it would be only people with disabilities in, in this workplace, and they would be paid a sub-minimum wage, maybe like a $2 an hour <laughs> Uh, thing for say packing boxes in a warehouse or cleaning jobs and and this is even being seen as something that's really negative and that it's not community inclusion it's not really allowing people to progress that you're just kind of stuck in this rut and there's not really much going on with that so there's some some progress there and these are positive things rather than saying oh well society hates people with disabilities rather than saying oh these people aren't afforded the opportunity well there are organizations popping up and saying okay we're going to do something about this we're going to do something positive and we're, we're going to try to change societal perception, employers' perception, and, and do something here to fix the problem. So that's something pretty positive, I think. That's a reason. And a lot of, a lot of us have gone through this. I, I went through this for years where I always blamed, blamed, um, 
blamed an employer, blamed a coworker, blamed a neighbor for problems I was having. And I found um, that my life took a complete turnaround when every issue that came up, every negative issue came up. I said, well, what did I, what could I have done better? What did I do wrong? And it was a complete change of outlook for life rather than harboring um, um, resentment towards other people for screwing you over and making your life miserable. Um, you, you'll find that no matter where you are, uh, every job there's going to be people that are going to uh, make you know make your job not as enjoyable. There's going to be neighbors that are going to be bickering with you. There's going to be people that are going to throw obstacles in your way. And it's how we, we handle it, the decisions we make. Um, and I think it's kind of like a, a liberating thing when you take on your own responsibility for your own actions. I mean, if somebody comes up and shoots you with a gun, you can't, you can't blame yourself. But um, it's a two-way street when, you know, when, you're, when you're at work and negotiating um, or in, in social life, negotiating with other people. Um, what you do, your actions can have consequences for your future. Right, and in the Stoic text, there's a lot of talk about dealing with difficult people and accepting the fact that other people are going to be adversarial, that other people are going to, as you said, pose certain barriers. They're going to give you a hard time, but how are we going to react to the situations? Well, first, there's going to be an acceptance of the fact that other people are, are going to be nasty and to, to not just uh, jump to the wildest conclusions. There's this talk in the text of describing certain behaviors rather than attributing certain labels to behaviors rather than saying that a person bathes badly for some instance, but rather just describe what the person is doing. I mean, who knows? Maybe the person just has a different perspective on, on looking at things. Maybe they're really creatures of habit, and if you break from that, that they're going to lash out. I don't know. We, we can't really know the motivations of others in, in many cases. So even, even if someone is going to give us a hard time, well, how are we going to respond to that? We can acknowledge that maybe the people lack certain wisdom, that they're, they're, they're not reflecting on their situation really well. They're not handling anger really well. They're lashing out at others. Okay, so what are we going to do about that? How are we going to move on? Hopefully we're not dragged down by others and put into a sort of depressive state and thinking that, well, I'm no good. It's all my fault. So there, there, yes, there could be an element that we have to acknowledge we could have done something better. Maybe we could react to a situation differently. Maybe we could have proposed some sort of compromise. I don't know. It's difficult. We have to look at individual situations and, yes, work on improving ourselves and taking some responsibility where it's appropriate. It could be difficult to tell, though, uh, how much influence we have in a certain situation or what we could have changed, if anything. What, how, does that, how does that fit in with the um, stoic uh, view of determinism in life? Oh, well, there, there's talk in the text about human nature having a certain role, that we might have some sort of impulses or desires, and, and to be reflective on that, that maybe we can't change certain things about ourselves, but we can reduce the presence of certain behaviors, that maybe we can be mindful of something that's going on and not react so poorly. So there's a, an interplay here of mindfulness and nature, that maybe we, we can't change the fact that we're going to be nervous before giving a speech, for instance. But if we really think about that and reflect upon that, think about our emotions, thinking about what we're feeling and preparing for certain circumstances that might be causing us some sort of challenge, that look, look at the challenges as maybe a positive thing, look at them as something to overcome rather than something that's going to really... Uh, really destroy us. What there, there's, what, yeah, there's an element of chance, there's an element of nature and what's outside of our control to distinguish what we can control and how we're going to respond to that. Uh, you and I are both uh, secular, we're both non-religious, and um, I, I, I don't remember where, but somebody somewhere had... Um, I think in the comments on your video or something about Stoicism commented, you know, it's not, um, might have been on one of the social media sites, it's not, Stoicism is not commensurate with secularism. What do you say about that? Oh, right. So I've done a video on that, that 
yes, there there are some ideas within the Stoic tradition about the soul, about a divine providence or a divine providence or a creator. Well, yes, some of these ideas indeed were present in the Stoic text, but just because they're there doesn't mean we have to take everything from a tradition and endorse it 100% or otherwise we're not a real Stoic or we're not practicing it well. Well, there are going to be things from all different traditions that have value, some things that are good, some things that are bad. And maybe it's the case that because people were in a different time that their knowledge was limited. Perhaps if, well, Seneca, Epictetus were alive today, they'd have some different perspectives on things, maybe with some sort of scientific advancement, some new technology that we have input of other philosophers that maybe some of their ideas are different and I'm okay with that it's a good thing and there's a lot of talk in the stoic text about being open-minded being willing to change our ideas given new arguments given new reason given new evidence that we're not going to be so foolhardy about things just to hold a position and never budge from it that we're to follow nature as they talk about you see um, seeing seeing what's around us and having an accurate view of the world rather than just saying oh well so-and-so said so so I'm going to go with it and you know there, there are some there are some challenging passages within the Stoic text and maybe I, I can't endorse 100% maybe things are a little bit different now than they were in ancient Greece or Rome and that's that's okay it's it's information that's presented and, and do with it what you will I tend to see when people talk about the the grandeur of art, grandeur of art in like the Middle Ages uh, of the cathedrals made and and my my I, what I always think of and I've always thought of is that it wasn't a really good career decision to come out as an atheist a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, and so um, no matter whatever you did and and certain certain times in in um, in history. You know, if you weren't part of, you know, I mean, the, the the church in, you know, for about a thousand years in Europe was probably the major employer that, or the, you know, the lords of the castle or the king. Um, so it, it wasn't always a really smart thing to come out and be against what everybody believes. Although atheism goes back um, thousands of years, non-believers, but... Uh, it's it's I always have to take that with when when I think about um, the great minds in the past, many of them being religious, have to think well they they probably didn't have a choice. Right, and, and as you said in the text, there there's some talks of slavery and how we're to treat slaves. So clearly they're they're not getting all things right, and even there there are talks about uh, certain certain animals and about animals being here to feed us things like that but not much of a concern for the welfare of animals as maybe they didn't have that information of animals being able to feel pain and some concerns about animal suffering that we might have today and that's okay as you mentioned earlier society progress societal progress is a thing that we're moving in a positive direction it seems and surely there's there's going to be some work for improvement of course we're, we're working toward those things and there's going to be some going forward there's going to be some going back as it's not not an easy thing that people are going to be resistant to a changing of the status quo uh, just look at issue like gay marriage for instance, right? I mean, there, there was a lot of opposition to that. It's a decade ago, maybe even like five years ago, but the societal views on that have changed. Politicians have come out and changed their position on that, and the law changes. Society yeah, moves. That's one. That's one subject that I think hit hit the uh, United States by storm, and and I didn't I didn't see the acceptance um, for equality for all marriage equality, as, as I like to put it. Um, happening so quickly, and it just it just um, it just came in like a like a locomotive. Um, whereas most most um, rights are earned, or um, are um, people people uh, gain more rights over. It's like it's a slow incremental process over decades or centuries, and that one just bang. Just yeah, we. Yeah, so, so there are some positive changes, and perhaps we could be grateful for that. And like maybe it's the case that certain, certain people, certain identities, they, yeah, like you said, maybe they wouldn't want to come out because of that. They wouldn't want to share their ideas 
openly that if we were in a different place in a different time, that circumstances might be so much different and we wouldn't be as free to express ourselves. We wouldn't be as free to discuss certain ideas. Maybe if we were living in a different country even today, you see this these stories about bloggers being killed in Bangladesh and certain countries that these people have to stand under. And I know you even use an anonymous handle as well as there's some of some of those worries today that maybe what we would say would come back and bite us, our employer positions that we might have. And unfortunately we see this disturbing trend online. But we're we're working toward that and we're still able to discuss our ideas even if we're behind some sort of pseudonym or or handle and, and that's 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 all right as well. Yeah, that's 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 amazing that we can do that. And um, yeah, we have know. the technology, and yeah, maybe hundreds of years ago. Well, how much influence can a person really have, and what kind of platforms do they have to express their ideas? They they don't really have that. So now. Uh, all these people, they have their blogs, they have their YouTube channels and podcasts, and there's there's a lot of information and ideas out there. So go ahead, you think your perspective is right, we'll put it out there, and uh, people will likely hear what you have to say. Of course, there are tons and tons of voices, so it's up to us to determine what the good information is. Uh, but yes, we have that platform of the internet. We could connect with so many people, so that's something to be grateful for as well. Yeah, we do, we do have um, a multitude of sources to get uh, news and opinion, whereas just a few decades ago it was um, the major newspapers and the television stations. I'm starting to hear some hissing sound. You, do you hear that? Okay, uh, it stopped. Uh, so we have we have so much more available. We have I I think uh, Daniel Dennett has credited the internet for the spread of secularism uh, because people are no longer they're no longer stuck in their village and have to wait for other people to tell them what's going on or wait for the 11 o'clock news and now we can find out what's going on 24 7 everywhere in the world right um, yeah it's yeah it's it's an interesting thing there there's some controversy recently about certain speakers at college campuses and some protests and violence surrounding those Ann Coulter was really a recent example even the ACLU came out and they were saying well we, we should have free exchange of ideas that even if you consider certain views hateful well okay they have a platform they're invited to speak at a college and what should their response be more speech okay instead of shutting people down instead of being violent and perhaps people can view certain words as violence as we've been seeing uh, I think that's another dangerous way to go about things because if words are violence then are if words are violence are people violent and should we assault those people and shut them down and do they deserve basic rights and, and decency we can have passionate disagreement for sure but what what could the response be well let's just put out information contrary to that it was interesting, and years ago, there there were some creationists who were going about on college campuses uh, handing out creationist literature, and there was some addendum to the origin of species that was passed out, and there, there were creationists giving these presentations, going on college campuses, so secular groups, scientific groups were saying, okay, well, if they're going to do this, then we're going to have events of our own. And I think that's a great way to respond, but unfortunately today, the response from some groups at least is, well, we're going to block people from these events, we're going to shout speakers down, we're going to disrupt, we're going to pull fire alarms, and this seems very illiberal. People who are saying, well, we want this diversity of ideas, we want compassion, we want respect. If they're going to treat others with disrespect, I don't see that that's a positive way to go forward, even if those individuals are being disrespectful. If you think that they have some terrible ideas, well, okay, let's just respond with more speech instead of violence. The problem with that that whole subject is who is who is the judge of who gets to speak and who doesn't get to speak, and the problem is that all the when we talk about the progress in equality and egalitarianism in our society, it's made because all of the the major institutions, all the all the wrongs that we've righted are because somebody was heard somewhere, and so it's the it's the people that um, are that that are the in the quote unquote marginalized groups that that want to stop people they disagree with from talking, but it's it's they that will be hurt by this eventually because the 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 people in power are not going to agree to give up their power unless they're convinced 
through whatever means, popular means, economic means. And if they can shut it down because that's the that's the way we do things, then it's going to come back and hurt everybody, I think. Right. It's an interesting thing that's similar to that that's happening in politics today, that people are calling for less government power, less executive orders now that President Trump is in power, right? They're saying, oh, well, now we don't want him doing these things. We should have a smaller government that the president shouldn't have as much power. I say, well, wait a second. Four, eight years ago, you were quite enthusiastic when there was a lot of government intervention on things, when President Obama was issuing executive orders. But now when a different person's in power and things are happening that you don't like, well, then you start to question those things and, and see that when certain circumstances change, well, do you want to be on the other end of that, right? So it's, it's, it's really something to consider there. So having having more moderation and not being shut down like that, yeah, that's that's important to get the ideas out there. Um, so before before we wrap this up, do you want to, is there anything else you want to say or... or um, um... Yeah, to, t- to retouch on gratitude, yes, there there can be some circumstances that we could be in, some sort of opportunity that we don't have, some sort of character deficiencies, some sort of disadvantages that we have, but, but to be grateful for the positive things that are going on rather than focusing on so much of the negative, I think is something that's, that's really beneficial. So to say, oh, well, there are all these wrong things in society, there are all these things I don't like, okay, so be it, but what are the good things? that are going on, how, how can we positively contribute to the world? I, I think it's important to focus on that, to have a sense of gratitude. Do you think that the, the, the people that are at different ends of the political and social spectrum should, um, should be um, working together more, they're finding common ground? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, as there, there can be some issues in which there's common ground, but we have to be careful in some ways. And you, you hear about this phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but not so much the case. If someone is is endorsing certain perspectives, treating others really terribly, well, maybe we don't want to ally with those individuals. And now we see that many people from the right have spoken up in favor of free speech, in favor of certain liberal values. P- perhaps there can be some disagreements, for instance, on issues like abortion, issues like gun control, the death penalty, but there can be agreement on on other issues. So maybe we, we could agree, maybe there can be some sense of working together, but just to be careful on who we're aligning with and, and where we're promoting certain individuals, it, it's a tough thing, it's a tough thing to consider and what we are to do. But yeah, there, there can indeed be some common ground. And rather than vilifying everyone, rather than saying, oh, you have to fall in lockstep 100%, well, expose yourself to different views and understand why people think the way they do, where they're coming from. The, there was an unfortunate clip from the Young Turks. There was uh, Anna Kasparian was lamenting women who voted for Donald Trump and was was uh, being very nasty toward them and calling them uh, effing stupid, dumb, they don't care about women, stuff like that. And it's not really considering where the people are coming from, but rather just bashing them. And is that actually going to lead towards something productive, similar to Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail calling people deplorables? Uh, <laughs> that, that didn't really seem to work so well either. And in fact, many who were Trump supporters um, were wearing T-shirts that say "I am a deplorable," and they they took they took that and just were laughing about it, and it was just furthering this idea that that people on the left are being intolerant toward those on the right, toward people who don't agree with them. Well, I I yeah I see that whole the 2016 presidential election as a reaction to political correctness out of control. Um, there's there's people that um, and and this started showing up on um, cable news networks where they were, the, the talking heads were saying, you know, uh, the average person is, is tired of, of the um, the intellectual or the educated person telling them how to think and how to how to talk. Um, but one thing about, about having, um, there's there's one, you, you brought up like a, abortion, uh, reproductive rights, is both sides of that issue are so entrenched that I don't see I don't see um, 
any resolution in, in any near future in my lifetime. It could happen, but the one thing there there is there is a commonality though. And, and when you take something that extreme and you say, well, we both sides cherish life, and their intentions are are you know probably good on both sides. Uh, you can't you can't speak for every person, but in general, and so there there is there is a place we can meet we can meet half halfway uh, at a halfway point with other people and and we saw that with the democrats uh in the 90s with clinton saying well we want uh abortion to be rare and and um you know um so it, it was it rare, rare safe and and something yeah, yeah rare <laughs> but so that that's but the, but both sides are so entrenched you can't even that wasn't even a common ground but there there is a common ground like i said we all sides cherish life um just about everyone does you cherish your own at least and so um it, there is there is a starting point for every no matter how how divided how entrenched the sides are yeah and you never know people who turn around who change their position or become more moderate in their positions i mean people to cite really extreme examples uh the westboro baptist church well people have left that and now they're actually pretty active in secular circles that they've moved away from some of those extreme positions, and now they're out there campaigning for the the rights of LGBT individuals. Yes, yeah, they're, they're the, speaking at atheist conventions. Uh, it was uh, Nathan Phelps, uh, yes. Megan Phelps Roper recently gave uh, a TED talk, and and she's talking about this issue that she seemed it, it was that people treated her nice, and she was treated her with respect and she was more likely to listen to what they had to say rather than just people who are being nasty toward her and that led her in a positive direction so she is encouraging some more reasoned reflective discussion to happen so yeah people do change their positions of course not everyone's going to and that change might not happen overnight but putting that information out there you really never know and surely we've made many changes in our lives Right. Uh, oh, we, sure. we change positions over time. We get new information. We meet new people. We have different experiences, and that's a good thing if we're getting closer to the truth and we're changing our ideas based on on good reasons and doing that. So um, it was um, nice having this discussion with you, Justin. And um, would you um, do you want to um, talk about where where we can find you on the internet? Yep. You can go to my website at justinvacula.com where you will find links to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social networks. And YouTube, you have a series of stoic discussions um, or talks or um, readings. Yep, that's right. I have about 35 videos at the moment talking about all sorts of different topics on gratitude and handling adversity, on the shortness of life was a recent video that I uploaded. All sorts of different conversations that should have some practical influence on life, tackling many perennial topics that people are considering and how to live a good life. Well, it was uh, it was nice. Uh, it was <laughs> it was really nice talking to you. I I, um, I watched the and and made a follow up on Dean Esme. Oh name? yes, yeah, and yeah, uh, that was. That was a uh, that was I was cringing not at you at him, and um, and then I um, he he's um, he's got an awful lot of uh, time in the uh, the movie The Red Pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, an interesting change of things. That's for sure. Yeah, I was hoping for some productive discussion there, but there was just a lot of shouting from him and name calling, and that was quite unfortunate, but I think a lot of people came away from that video and seeing that his behavior wasn't so great and he, he just didn't give himself a, a good impression there, I don't think. No, he came out of the gate swinging and, and he had, you know, like um, uh, Ben Affleck on the Bill Maher show with Sam Harris, that everybody thought he had an agenda going into the show to go yeah, after yeah. Sam Harris, so it doesn't, I don't, I don't think it makes it makes you look good when you go in with, with the you know, with the aim to fight rather than to have it, and, and the, and I got the impression that it was to be a dialogue, and right, um, right, and and it wasn't. I don't, I don't think it was really fruitful, other than like you said, to show that um, some tactics aren't really a, a really good approach to to uh, meeting meeting halfway with people and trying to understand. Right, right. Yeah, that anger, anger really isn't going to be. Uh 
uh, productive thing in that case. Uh, yeah, sure, we can be we can be angry. We can have some sort of uh, sense of injustice about things. But yeah, how are we going to be productive with that anger? How are we going to have conversations with people we disagree with while well, yelling at them and calling them names and attributing malice isn't a good way to go about things? No, it certainly doesn't. It doesn't get my attention. Um, so it just it gets people's back up against the wall and they become more intractable. Or um, you tune somebody out that's that's um, attacking you personally. So it's not. I don't think it's a really productive approach. Um, and we saw that with um, the um, accusations uh, after we, you know, the um, the last year's election, presidential election, that all white people, you know, are are this and that misogynist, and the white women are the ones that you know got Trump voted in, and you know, just insulting people, and it's not. It's not a way if 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 they if they're so angry that's not going to get people back in their camp by insulting them. Right. They've they've internalized misogyny that they hate women that they're not voting in the interests of women and though there was even a lot of attacks on on Bernie Sanders supporters uh, this this term Bernie bro in that the a lot of the opposition to Hillary Clinton was based on sexism and and surely I mean of course there's going to be an element of that but that neglects to focus on why people didn't like Hillary, that people really thought that she had an, an honesty issue, that people couldn't trust her, that the campaign wasn't run very well, that she didn't have an appeal to voters, and that she was a political insider were just some objections that people had to her. So Trump, I think, was successfully able to appeal to populism and things that people wanted to hear and promises that people thought were going to come to fruition and he, he got in they say like a, one of the easiest opponents that Hillary might have had and they blew it right well that that's I think um, yeah a lot of people were blown away by that but anyway um, so it was uh, it was great uh, talking about egalitarianism with you and so um, we have to end it sometime and I think yeah. this is good <laughs> so, alright Oh, okay. I'll chat with you later. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, thanks, thanks for the time. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.